1: The Jack White History Program, and I am your co-host Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host James Kaminsky, and it's great to be back after those two weeks. I mean, it's a normal amount of time, so mm. we're going to pretend that we weren't scouring Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the Wookie's codpiece. <laughs> this is a Jack White History Program where we talk about all kinds of things, and we interview people and all that stuff. <laughs> And sometimes we, you know, we cover the different bands Jack was in and we do album analyses. And those are usually multi-parters. And this one's no different, James. We are back for part two of the Dead Weather's third studio album, Dodge and Burn. We're doing an album analysis and review. And when last we left our heroes, we had just about gotten to the track listing. Yeah. Previously on Lost, we were going over the kind of nitty-gritty of how the album came to be and all that and the history of the recording of it, and now we're going to get into some of these songs here. I'm excited. Yeah. I feel love for them, Paul, at least every Million Miles. Million Miles. It's an interesting record. Last episode, we talked a lot about the inception of the record, how it came about. I mean, you go listen to that if you want the details, but the gist of it is that they decided to try something different with this album in the sense that they were going to put them all, all the songs out as singles first, and then do that over a number of years in the vault and then compile those singles into an album release. And as we learned last episode, that kind of happened. Not really. I mean, they wound up getting a few of them out as singles, and then they just sort of polished the rest off and put it out as a record. But other than not getting all of them out immediately upon the time of release or before, they really did kind of stick to the plan fairly closely. Yeah, an idea that they followed through to fruition, although it was mainly seen through vault members' eyes. Mm -hmm. So this episode, I mean, if you want to hear the other stuff and didn't hear the progress so far, you can go back and listen to last episode where we talk about it. But in this episode, we're going to do a track-by-track analysis of the songs. And we're going to talk a little bit about the critical reception. And then our friend Jesse from The Porch Podcast is going to come on back and join us for the rating. We've never, James, had somebody with us for an album rating before breaking new ground here i had to explain our rating system to somebody who wasn't uh, you Mm -hmm. and that was fun to say in a conversational sort of way not just throwing it out into the electronic space the e-space the e-space right the electronic space so we've got a lot we've got a lot to do this episode a lot to cover but before we get to all of that james (gasps) is there something we should figure out is there something we should stop smelling is there something we got wrong <laughs> there is something we got wrong is there S- sort of in uh craig brown episode <laughs> we mentioned a date we said the cast corridor pressing plans opening was in 2016 it is in fact in 2017 in february but uh you know well, I guess that was a mini stop breaking down there, but... <laughs> stop breaking down! <laughs> James, this is a segment I literally forgot we had a theme for. It's, I got a letter this morning. <gasps> what do you reckon it read, Paul?
2: <laughs> Meanwhile, letters by the thousands have been flooding postal facilities at the North Pole.
0: Well, hello there. Oh, I've got lots of letters to I understand the
2: post office receives thousands of these letters every year. Now put them here on my desk. It's your honor. Put them here on the desk. I love this morning,
1: walk through, red. So, the so this is a quick one. I got a letter this morning. Because again, I don't even remember the last time we did one of these segments, but it's when we get an email. Don't <laughs> <laughs> we read the email?
2: Were we A so starved for segments?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm reading this one because I think lately we've been just not doing segments if we don't have something. But I did actually want to take this moment to call out Anna Lauderdale. We're calling um, you out. <laughs> calling you out to the carpet. We wanted to thank Anna in previous episodes- Again, we don't know when this one is airing, but we're fairly certain it'll be f- removed significantly from when last we mentioned this. But Your third man, twice removed. Thank you, James. Thrice? So sometimes we do contests at the end of the episode where we say, if you do such and such a thing in your review of our show, as long as you give us five stars, we'll send you something. And Anna Lauderdale was very, very nice and actually did what we said. She wrote a review that said, when you're here, you're family. It's very good. We asked people to say that when you're here, you're family. So we'll have to send her something. Well, I did. I, I she, so she has a Your Podcast Not Dead mug, courtesy of the Third Men podcast. Thank you, Anna. If you would like to be the recipient of a tchotchke, all you have to do is follow the directions that we will give at the end of the episode when we do the rate, review, and subscribe. Course, we appreciate everybody who rates reviews and subscribes, but especially if you do one of the silly things we ask <laughs> you to do, then we'll send you something nice. So, anyway, thanks, Anna. And that's been, we got a letter this morning. <laughs> that's great. Love it. <laughs>
2: Don't go anything, all this
0: Hey, it's getting late and I've got these letters to deliver. And you better be getting home too. And remember,
1: well, now that we've gotten that letter out of the way, Paul, you you want you want to dive into it? Let's do the track by track, James. Okay, be still. So we'll start here with track 1, I feel love every million miles. Best on the album. Well, it's one of the best. No, it's not the best on the album. It's one of the, one of my favorites on the album. That has been... James has an argument with himself that lasts three <laughs> seconds. Yeah, well, Impossible Winner is clearly the best on the album. But yeah, no, this is a great one. I love this song. And talk about an album opener. Maybe their most high-octane song ever, and they put it right at the top of this record. It's a great place for it. I think, James, like you were saying, it's, it's my favorite song on the record... I uh, re- with impossible winter is a very close second or possibly they're tied. And it's maybe my favorite dead weather track again with impossible winter kind of floating in there. But as it's, it's interesting because impossible winter and we'll talk about that one later. doesn't really sound like a dead weather song. So this one actually, as far as dead weather songs go, it's like this one and blue blood blues are like, those are the ones like I love those the most, I think. Yeah. They're both very solid tracks. Much like their first album, actually maybe more so, the first single and album opener gives us Allison way up front and Jack way in the background. But I should make note, for people who don't know, of course I think anybody listening to this would, Jack's drumming is top-notch, and especially on this song. It's interesting Dean's guitar playing, because Dean Fertita when he's playing with the Dead Weather, Sometimes it's hard for me to tell which is Dean and which is Jack, because sometimes we know Jack plays occasionally on Dead Weather tunes, maybe, you know, but Dean, I think, blends so well into whatever band he's in that I really can't tell. I've just been assuming it's Dean, but man, that guitar is sick on this song. It was a surprise early on to, well, not a surprise, it was a switch I had to make with the Dead Weather to anytime I heard a guitar solo, I'd be like, oh man, Jack, you're killing it, and I'm like, no, no. No, Jack's killing it on the drums. Dean's killing it right. on the guitar here. Yeah, no, he it's good. He shreds. It's good. Here's something. It's like, remember when you first heard the raconteurs and you couldn't really tell which was Brendan and which was Jack? Yeah. It's kind of like that, except with guitar. Yeah. No, Dean, he really absorbs the sound, uh, or not absorbs, he melds into the sound perfectly yeah, blends, like you were saying. Blends, yeah. yeah. And there's a great... Well, I know you don't like this video. I actually really like the music video for this one. And it was part, I think, of the album announcement or very close to the album announcement. And I remember when this video came out, I had just moved out here and then I was back home to celebrate our friend Mike's 30th birthday. And that was like the weekend this video came out. And I remember being very excited and Mike being very confused. <laughs> <laughs> Mike wondering, Mike was wondering where Jack was. And yeah, I, you know, that video kind of goes part and parcel with some of the other methodology behind this record in the sense that Jack didn't participate in at least acting in the video. And we know that Jack was purposefully not really doing press for this album either. You know, he was on the tail end of that lazaretto tour and exhausted and it was a choice not to be involved now we know he would act in the impossible Winter video later and he did do Mm -hmm. those electronic press kit stuff the um tutorials and such but i just find it kind of interesting that they went with a jackless video is it the only jackless dead weather video i think so right Mm. i think it is Mm -hmm. right maybe because there's the one where they're shooting at each other, and then there's the one where they're all wizards and such, and then there's possible Winner. And then, obviously, Cut by a Buffalo was like, only Jack. Did I say cut by a buffalo? Cut like a buffalo. Sure. Cut like one. Cut by one. That was cut by one. But a anyway, it's, and, and I was watching it earlier today, and I think it, what it looks like they did is just rent out a street really, really late at night or possibly early in the morning and then set up a gigantic fan... And then Allison is basically just walking into the fan, and there's a vi- there's <laughs> a dog, uh, I assume is one of somebody's dog. Maybe Allison's. I don't know. I think it's a wolf. It seems like a wolf. Hot take moment here. Uh-oh. Uh my Hold le- on. My least favorite. Hold on to your butts. Dead weather. Hold on to your butts here. It's my least favorite dead weather video. Um, wow. Just because I find it kind of boring. Whoa. It's kind of boring. Whoa. I'm with Mike on this one. Where's Jet? No. Um. It's, uh, I don't know, not a lot's going on. There's a, they're running through uh, giant fans. It reminds me of the very end of the black or white video where Michael Jackson is beating up the car, except without the pedophilia. Yeah, no, we don't. We're pretty happy that it's without that. It reminds me of uh, the beginning of Ghostbusters in front of the library where there's newspapers blowing in the wind in front of the public library. Sure. Yeah. Because it's just windy. It's just a windy day. It's just a windy day and there's a wolf there. This track, I think, holds a special place in the band's heart. I know LJ said of it, it's where all four forces are aligned perfectly. It is the song that defines the career of the dead weather. LJ said that mm-hmm. about the track. And I would say I agree. I think it it is a defining track by them. It's one of those songs where, you know, with dead weather tunes, at least with me, sometimes to my ear there's a similarity a sameness to some of them where they kind of blend with one another but this one i feel like does stand out in the way that their hookier songs stand out i would put this one up there with hanging Up from the heavens they both kind of hang on a lick and employ the strength of allison's conviction (laughs) and, and lyric to sell it And they do an effective job of it. So I think if this is the last Dead Weather album we ever get, and I don't know that it will be, but if it is, I think um, it's appropriate that we have a song like this on it, which is basically the strongest they've ever done. Yeah, whereas Impossible Winter doesn't sound anything like a Dead Weather song, which again, we'll get to. This one sounds like the quintessential Dead Weather song. Quintessential. But, But done well, like done perfectly what they were going for. Yes, and that brings us to track 2 here, Buzz Killer. Also good. I like this one too. Got my heart. little intro and you get a hint of jack counting it in actually and allison does that awesome little mm hmm in there it's cool (laughs) i love the production on this track and actually on the album itself and the album version of these songs i mentioned the single version of the album version the album version is so much cleaner and i think about past dead weather releases and the crispness actually really serves the individual musicianship better than the studio bleed that you get with some of those other albums. Mm-hmm. I really like this album because it's so damn clean, even though it's still dirty because they're a dirty batch of folks. Um, <laughs> it's clean. The, the production itself is clean. I think that's actually a really nice contrast. I'm happy they did that. I wouldn't say I check out when it gets muddier, but it definitely does have that kind of like, I was talking about the sameness. It kind of gets there. So anyway, it's nice to hear all the like instruments, <laughs> you know, fairly up there there's not a lot i could say about this one it's this one kind of runs in the same vein as the other two albums do it seems kind of that kind of samey vibe as the other previous albums so it kind of blends in with their other material although i like it quite a bit yeah it's got a hooky chorus and there's a call and response thing with allison and um allison's vocal and the guitar thing allison's vocal also has some funky effect on it it's actually hard to tell if it's just extremely heavy reverb or if she's actually doubling her vocal double tracking it i don't know Mm -hmm. it's either it's either extreme reverb or she's literally singing it twice i don't know but i like the effect i actually really love the title i i love the little there's like a solo thing and i don't know if it's a guitar or not but it's like there's like a rapid waving effect that happens in the song Mm -hmm. (laughs) i do really like that the background on this one is that allison said that it was about someone who's killing your buzz and then she said doesn't that happen every day and when the band was asked what killed their respective buzzes, LJ said, pulling weeds. You know that band, The Grassroots? It's kind of a made-up band because it's just a bunch of studio guys. But The Grassroots, I understood it for a second. Grassroots. They're the hardest roots to pull. They just keep coming back. So LJ's a gardener. And I love that. Awesome. Uh, I, yes. Allison added, airport security is a vibe killer. I have to face those guys almost every day. So I thought that was funny. But anyway, that's the. I love that this band that has this hard edge, they're wearing leather jackets on the cover in front of like tires on fire. Uh, LJ has six fingers and he's just like, I pull weeds and it's (laughs) kind (laughs) of (laughs) sucks. Yeah, It's good. It's pretty good. Anyway, that brings us to uh, track three. Let Me Through. Ah, and judging yes. by your tone of voice, James, I can tell you've forgotten what this song is. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Loving is a
2: while,
1: Was, was I right? This is the boom, boom, boom one. Okay, <laughs> they're really they're really going through with the effects pedals. They're going through the the gamut with those on this. I want to put that's your, a sentence I just made. Did I win the prize? <laughs> did you really forget it? Um, I did. I really did. This is one that I could hear on Sea of Cowards, with the exception of the clean production, that is. But this one has a, a similarity to that for me. I love the part where she does the shots go you. Boom, boom, boom. And then I like the bar out yeah. west bit. That one's cool. that has got like a bit of cowboy flavor going on there and, and some nice phrasing from Allison, which is really... It's one of the things I appreciate the most about her singing. I talked about her um, selling the songs earlier, and she's got that phrasing that just somehow makes them all sound more badass. This is one of those Dead Weather songs where it is a very repetitive tune. It's got that kills vibe. It's got it, Well, like you said before, it's got the vibes of the previous songs. Cause it's, it's them kind of jamming and fitting lyrics to it. Yeah. I do like the chorus of this. The, I got a bloodhound tooth hanging like a dagger, which is when you're listening to the song, I feel like it's impossible to know what the hell she's saying. <laughs> unless you like, yeah, let's do that. That was actually one of my notes on this. I actually, th- I was starting to pick up on a story a little like a cowboy story. So I pulled the lyrics. Okay. And I thought we could just walk through them here because I've never actually walked through them before. But it says, I got a bloodhound tooth hanging like a dagger in a bar back west. Okay, so. Mm -hmm. So wearing a necklace with a bloodhound tooth. Okay. If you try and pull it down, you know I'll save all my best. Okay, so if you try to take the necklace off her, if you try to steal it from her. But it's hanging back in the bar. She'll punch you. And then shots for you. Boom, boom, boom. Shots for you. Boom, boom, boom. So she's saving all of her best ammunition to shoot. It's a desperado thing going on. Here. So she's got some kind of trinket that she has hung on a bar in a saloon in the Old West. And it's hers. And if you touch it, you're going to die. I think the shots is double entendre because it's a bar. Not double entendre. Is it double entendre if it's not sexy? We'll leave that to the scholars. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the scholars. The (laughs) the philosophers. Um, But we... uh, All right. So maybe, maybe Mm. she's actually speaking about one of her own teeth being a bloodhound tooth. She's got a tooth. And it's hanging in her mouth like a dagger. She's just in a bar in the West. Oh, and, but why would somebody pull the tooth out of her mouth?
2: I don't know. Well, All right. Well, let's go know. to the next <laughs> standard
1: here. Trouble is my heart twin. Ooh. I like. Wait, it. hold on. The moon is mindless. I'm jumping ahead. Maybe she's a werewolf. Paul. Trouble is my heart twin. Oh, I shovel as I sing sing. I'm going to dig until I cut through heaving on the whole thing. So I think she's burying whoever it was that she killed. She, she's definitely burying somebody the moon is mindless i think but it's pulling is timeless i think that may mean that the moon is like the witness to the crime but the moon is not gonna say anything i'm gonna bully bully like this hike this until my path is windless now is she referring to the hits on bully bully (laughs) i'm a bad man let me through i'm i'm a bad man so she's a desperado and then she, it's her path is windless, so she is, she is doing the walking, not like the tumbleweeds. I think Bloodhound Tooth is just her saying, "I'm a dangerous person in a a western bar, uh-huh. like setting. Yeah. Uh, if you try to mess with her, and you know, you're gonna, if she's gonna you, yeah, if you're trying it. to like take her down a peg, then she is going to shoot you and bury you. Yeah, I think we did it. We did it, uh, so Dean plays a lot of guitar on this record, but there's also a solo toward the end of this particular song that is so singularly Jack that I couldn't actually really tell if it was the one or the other I'm a bad
2: man. Let me. Through.
1: part and let me through the song was based around a bass riff that we just looped Not the bass
0: guitar the dead leather would be nothing
1: And Allison wrote the lyrics and vocal without guitar at all It's just bass and drums. so I had wanted to try this bit Commander pedal. Mm-hmm.
2: This pedal kind of gives a lot of dimension to anywhere you play on the...
1: The first YouTube comment on this song is, dude, the guy with the glasses has six fingers. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is from LJ. Oh, yeah. The quote is, there is a crossover style on us. If you listen to the music that we've played for years with our respective bands, you will see that what defines us is a similar musical footprint, and then LJ continued about Dean's playing, called it raw, and incredible riffs, strongly influenced by his work with Queens of the Stone Age. So you get that ballsy guitar on top of this cowboy story, and there you go. That's Let Me Through. It's a good one. Now that you know, I like it more now that I now that we read the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I do too. Which brings me to track four, a song I really like, $3 Hat. It really took me a while to warm up to this because you really have to accept what's going on. (laughs) You have to take into account that this this is... This is Jack White rapping and I wasn't quite used to it being this on the nose, let's say, with Jack White's rapping. Well, I was so happy we got a solo Jack vocal on the thing. Yeah. And also it is so crazy <laughs> it's nuts the song it's is like, nuts yeah so this is kind of a break beats sort of hip-hop thing it's a highlight for me on the record actually it's a weird fabulous little track and it was getting late when i was writing these notes and i got to the place where i was going to shut down for the night but i couldn't bring myself to stop this song while it was playing to stop what i was doing for the night it just ticks all my jack boxes there's that <laughs> middle bit that's downright white stripes-ish you get the jack squawk and the the hell even the guitar has that airline sound to it right in the middle there but you also get his rap swagger thing mm-hmm. but he was doing that in the stripes too oddly enough even though it this this shouldn't be what i say about this song this song actually i think has more similarity to the white stripes than maybe any song other than blue blood blues that he brought to this band I I really have a warm place in my heart for this one. Uh, Tam early on in the show told us that this was a play on um was it a Mississippi John Hurt song or something like that? I am trying to re- remember exactly what this song is about because I remember she did tell us that
2: it's from Mississippi John Hurt's Staggly Blues. And Jack took it almost word for word. A lot of people have done Stackley Blues. Mm-hmm. Tons of people have done it over the years. Um, even back then, you know, everybody was doing their own version of Stackley Blues. But the one that I could hear when I was listening to Three Dollar Hat was Mississippi John Hurts. Little I told Stackley, please don't take my life. I got two little babes and a darling loving wife, that bad man, oh cruel, staggered What I care about you two little babes, darling loving wife, if you done stole my stuff and had, I'm bound to take your life that Um, If you listen to it, Jack really did it almost word for word, but put like a modern-day twist on it, his own little, you know, weird, almost psychological twist to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he added the little bit of um, I think it's Frankie and Johnny at the very end. Yeah. Frank, which yes. other people I was I talked to when that song came out? That's what they picked on, mm. picked up on. Yeah. Was that? Frankie and Johnny were lovers. Oh, how they could love! They sworn to be true to each other. True as the skies above. It was her man, What's oh, she's doing her wrong said, Johnny, can't you see that you love everybody but Jackie Lee? Johnny said, Jackie, don't take my life. I got three young kids and a badass
1: life. Oh, yeah, it is uh, the Frankie and Johnny song. Frankie and Johnny were sweethearts. They had a quarrel one day. Johnny vowed he would leave her, said he was going away. He's never coming home. Jackie took aim with her 44 three times with a Rudy Toot Toot, so he changed it from 44 to 33, which is pretty good. The song was inspired by actual murders that took place in an apartment building in Missouri in 1899. A 22-year-old woman shot her 17-year-old lover, Alan, known as Albert, in the abdomen I'm just going to quote Wikipedia here. Why not? The song also links Francis Frankie Stuart Silver, convicted in 1832 of murdering her husband, Charles Silver, in Burke County. So that's Frankie. Well, I love that. It's sort of Jack takes it in this really funny direction because in the song, this character is murdering this other character because somebody took his hat. And that's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a pretty wacky. Wacky thing. Uh, Little Jack is really the star of this track for me, aside from Jack's sort of swagger. with He's got this really badass bass line that plays off of Jack's breakbeat drumming. And LJ, when interviewed about this song, was characteristically humble about his playing, saying of the record, The bass simply fulfills the same purpose as in the previous albums, which is the world's <laughs> most downplayed explanation of the incredible bass playing going on here. Yes, I think we've talked about this song a lot over the course of the podcast. I think in our first episode, we make mention of $3 Hat just because we were so anxious to get to this song, but it really was kind of a gateway (laughs) to what Boarding House Reach would become. It was the link. And I think we talked about that with Jesse, but too, this song is that missing link. You draw the line between Blues on Two Trees, Lazaretto slash Black Bat Licorice, $3 Hat, all of boarding house reach, (laughs) you know? I mean, that's the line. That's the one. Yes. So this song is the gigantopithecus, the yes. uh, Between your Jack white later solo material and your previous Jack white material. Let's move on here to lose the right. Love the snare opening. You get some uh, jazz, get some jazz breakbeaty thing. You know, same kind of vibe as Jack's drumming on the rest of the record. Actually, it all kind of has a slight like hip hop thing going on. But this track is a great example of the understated stuff Jack does when no one else is there on the drums. You know, the rest of the song kind of sounds a bit you know, sort of classic Dead Weathery again, with the exception of that upfront allison vocal. You don't really get that on other records i suppose but there is a sameness to this one with that exception of that snare opening i really do like that bum, 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 bum. whatever there's like an echo on it or something mm-hmm. and there's a organ i think dean is playing on this i don't know what it is but whatever it is it's on all the record there's some synth that he uses i don't know if it's a moog or a moog however you want to say it or what, but there is a quintessential Dead Weather synth that's on a lot of this stuff. I'm looking at the live recording of this because during the electronic press kit they do a, a version of this tune. You can see Dean playing that synthesizer yeah, and getting those kind of tones, so I think it's just an effect on the synthesizer. It might even be like the Bumble Buzz attached to the synthesizer. Oh, yeah. Because I know you can attach them to different instruments and stuff. Lose the right. There's some uh, guitar soloing in Lose the Right. Uh-huh. like the sludgy quality of this song yeah i think the most memorable part of it for me is the well i'm not sure if you'd call it a chorus but the part where allison is screaming you lose the right (laughs) toward the end i mean i know it's the title of the song so that helps it being memorable but i think it's my favorite part this is not a highlight for me on the record but i do like it it kind of it's more of like an atmosphere piece to me this particular track well all of this album is atmosphere to me they put it out right at halloween time So, like, all of this just feels very Halloween-y, very spooky. Like, this is a fall album to me. I could listen to this one in the fall anytime, And this song is up in the top as far as, like, spooky atmosphere is concerned. Yeah. That's interesting you say it's a fall album for you. I I don't know if I would... When I hear this one, I tell you, the only thing I think of is the year 2015. (laughs) I think of driving around... New Jersey in the fall time looking for pumpkin beers to buy. And like, I don't know, it's, it was also the, like the first album that they released after I had gotten married. So that's right. This album is very imprinted in time. And this song was one of the songs that kind of fit that mood for me. Yeah. It was the first album that was put out that coincided with the first year of my life where I didn't experience a fall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that that might be why because it was very (laughs) and then on top of that you had the screaming album like with the vault you know yeah it's very spooky very spooky stuff it was good anyway i love the solo on the back of lose the right too but anyway i don't have much more to say about this we can move on to rough detective ah our hit segment rough detective So this one is a standout for me. I put this one with I Feel Love and Impossible Winner," Be Still, and Possibly Cop and Go that are the obvious songs to me. Those are the ones that I really like. The rest like of it's this. kind of atmospheric. But uh, we get a lot of jack vocal on this track, which may explain mm-hmm. why I like it. Not because I don't like Allison singing. It's just because it's nice to hear the man. Um, we don't, And we also don't get a lot of it on this record. So when it happens, you notice it you know kind of quickly in the yep. same way as the first record you know in a lot of ways this one is reminiscent of that first album whorehound but i love the bit i got no perspective when i'm tricking a liar now <laughs> uh that's really fun it's a great jack line really reminiscent of trash tongue talker don't bother me or something i like the breakdown with the what's happening where they just start spiraling into madness real quick yeah, yeah. Just- What's, always, what's happening what's happening yeah a little squeaky thing I yeah. wrote, that was literally my next note I really liked that part that made me feel like it was like a true this is a Jack White on a record it's just like oh they're spiraling they're spiraling into yeah. <laughs> what's into, happening yeah into dimension Jack's <laughs> spouting out some, some uh, weirdness it's great this is great yeah what's
2: happening what's happening, what's happening?
1: some 16 saltines that creeps in the song Mm -hmm. at times, particularly in that final crescendo before the fade out. Pitchfork had this fun little pull from this track. The mid-album knockout Rough Detective sees the two trading verses pushing one another to hysterical extremes. Instead of dropping the typical guitar solo after the second shouted-out chorus, the song yields a carnival-like melee of chopped-up chatter and pitch-shifted squeals. And when White asks, what's happening? He sounds genuinely spooked by the song's sudden descent into madness. (laughs) It's got a call and response thing, too, where Allison's saying, you hear me laughing in the background, and then later on in the song, you hear Jack saying, she looked right at me and laughed. Is she laughing? Is she laughing at me? Don't make me run. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's great. Allison said of this track, yeah, that's a crazy one. (laughs) that one I said it sounds like demented kids music (laughs) I love it so much it's so weird I keep asking what is that song it's totally nuts Dean follows if the dead weather had a TV show this would be the theme good Good. you know when rough detectives investigate a crime scene James (laughs) sometimes they have to look for evidence and they look for a body um, there are different parts of the human body. Huh. There's uh, hair. Uh-huh. There's eyeballs. Right. There's the old pinochle. Um, yeah, no, those good parts. But, are the part, but are the part. after somebody's been murdered for a while, they might only find remnants. They may only find. Uh...
2: Yeah, it's a rag and bone.
1: Wow. Digging up yeah. rag and bone from the grave, <laughs> Paul sleuthing it out like a real rough detective over here. I'm so excited. Rag and bone is the segment of the show when we find something wacky and put it in our wacky podcast. We've stopped calling out the wacky stuff because it's all wacky. It's all wacky. You heard $3 hat, right? It's all wacky. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, James. This rag and bone is going to kind of blow your mind because it's a little bit meta. Okay. Okay, Good. So hold on, let me let me scatter some of my mind leaves so that you can blow those <laughs> those mind leaves, please. You remember our fun show pitch of Teen Fertita? where Teen Fertita Time Cop, <laughs> skateboards around the time stream, solving mysteries with his I want to say Cave Woman, who could forget companion? it? companion, yeah, who could forget it? Dean Fertita said of this song. <laughs> Okay, so I mentioned the TV show, and you know, he said if the Dead Weather had a TV show, this would be the theme. And then he was pressed further: What would the Dead Weather's TV show be about?
2: <laughs> it
1: would be about them solving mysteries and blowing stuff up. Wow! Well, uh, James, art has imitated lies, <laughs> has imitated fake art. Our fake Dean Fortita, Teen Fortita show about him running around solving mysteries. James, he had this idea back during the press tour for Dodge and Burp. Without the time travel, albeit, but it, I'm talking about something in the past, so that counts a little. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Now, our show was centered less on the whole group of hooligans in the Mystery Machine and more kind of centralized on a teenage Mr. Fertita. Now, let me hit you with this. Yeah. Did they call the show the Mystery Van Gang? No. They called it f***ing Scooby-Doo.
0: Well, does that kay? does
1: that mean Dean Fertitta is, the, right? is the talking it dog they, who's hungry for sandwiches of the group? Made, Maybe. I don't know. It means they zeroed in on the character all the kids would like and put him on the, the f***ing promotion it, for it, James. So what I'm saying to you is we weren't thinking broadly enough. We weren't thinking that the rest of the dead weather could be a part of the mystery crew here but the point stands team Fertita is the star so who would be the shaggy i don't know if it's a one for one but i think it's lj all right that's fair they're both eating sandwiches like playing cards jack is some kind of weird cross between fred and the 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 not Thel- Thelma, the other one louise what's her name <laughs> The redhead. First of all, you meant Velma, and I think, <laughs> and I think you're referring to Daphne. Daphne, he's somewhere in there. Look, I'm sure the man owns an ascot. That's that <laughs> doesn't need to be debated. The lady's a redhead, so you, you know, know po- case you know, closed. Yeah. The, the detective Paul really sleuths to that one out. Um, I would say he's a magician. Jack's <laughs> definitely a magician. See, I feel like he would be the the kind of. He's not the leader of the group, but he would be like the. the he's got magic powers, and everybody kind of relies on those to solve. Is this Vance Powell Velma? Yes. LJ's Velma. He's got the glasses. Anyway, that's been Rag and Bone. <laughs> All I'm saying is Mr. Fertita, please reconsider.
2: Oh, baby, 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 and bones. Well. Look at all this. You don't want it.
1: We're moving on to the next track here. Open up. That's enough. (gasps) This is one that kicks in the door with that.
2: Got stuck
1: on your You're right, it has that kick-in-the-door scream at the beginning, and then it's got that smoldering guitar that leads between the choruses and stuff. And it was the world's first impression of the album, released two whole calendar years prior to the actual album's release as a vault-package single. Could you say they opened it up with that? <laughs> Backed with Rough Detectives, so they heard those two to start... Uh, A co-write with Jack and Allison, which I thought was cool, Mm -hmm. featuring Allison on vocal, Jack on drums, and backing vocals, LJ on bass, backing vocals, and Dean on guitar, synth, organ, and backing vocals. If there was ever a quintessential Dead Weather song, it's this one. All right. I still think I Feel Love is is I'm just saying this is the baseline. Like, this song to me is what every Dead Weather song sounds like. There's some (laughs) version of Open Up That's Enough on every... (laughs) Dead Weather song. I like the dynamic kind of push and pull though, with the quiet sections versus the loud ones. It it yes. draws you in. Now this one, in that way, I, I remarked on something similar that pseudo acoustic guitar sound, right, that you're mentioning, is reminiscent of rolling in on a burning tire. Actually, okay. it's kind of similar things there. Allison's passionate vocals really make up for a lot for me on this one. I really like how she delivers the lyric and uh, I do again love the crispness of that trebly guitar chime thing and it's actually a great example of what I don't care for on the muddier single version there's like dynamics on the album version that I I think are like needed I mean just for me personally they help keep me engaged in the song yeah and then there's that part I really love in the middle I think it's in the middle where the music drops out and Allison's vocal takes center stage and I pulled out this stanza mind is faster than pen but the end is so stupid like bubble gum in your hair isn't fair but it smells good that's a dead weather line yeah breathe in but you choke but you choke on a mouthful of everything that you hoped that you hoped was not there but it's here it's here The bubblegum line gets me every time. When I'm listening to that, I always kind of laugh because it's a good line. She's definitely come up with something that a lot of people can either, you know, kind of relate to, but it's a ridiculous line. Like, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. These kind of funny little turn of phrase or odd words you wouldn't normally work into a pop song or rock song. I think that's what helps make them memorable. helps them stick out in your mind. Yeah. Got hips like battleships is another one of those, you know? Yes, Hips Like Battleships. That's another great one. Alison talked with Spin a bit about her writing process, and it's clear that the band dug this song's lyrics. She says, I mean, you can tell by reading the lyrics that some of them make sense and some of them are stream of consciousness. I really enjoy that style of writing. I don't get to do it much in the kills. So to be allowed to jam with my mind, it's kind of awesome. I tend to like to trust the first thing that I say. The music really inspires it i can feel like i'm sort of channeling a character in a story i don't think it's the greatest lyricism of all time and then dean and jack cite the bubblegum line as their favorites lj that is in the song nice so yeah nice hook too nice chorus i think it's a great dead weather song i like it mm-hmm. that brings us to be still favorite i like this song a lot and i can't tell if it's just because jack gets some interesting vocals you know on it or if it really is a standout track on its own merit but i think it i think it actually is you know that there's a pulsating opening that's pretty cool mm-hmm. and it's in that same dead weathery vein as a lot of songs but for some reason this one i find to be more memorable and enjoyable overall yeah it's interesting that it has a i don't know if it's just dean on um synth doing it but it. It sounds like hand drums almost uh, in the beginning, yes. which kind of reminds me of uh, the and Tour's new album. Oh, yeah. so Yeah, there's that bit where Jack screams, I don't know what to do. I don't want you to move, so don't move. It's just really good. I remember hearing that in the car for the first time Go, wow, that's badass, you know? Uh, shit. What's that song? Um, off of Boarding House Reach, the one with the heavy, like, shut up. Shut
2: up and No, the
1: the domination uh, song. Oh yeah, respect commander. Respect commander. It's got respect commander vibes. I'm sure a lot of people were uh, were feeling some kind of weird giddy thrill from hearing say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like LJ's the fuzz thing on his bass. Mm-hmm. Big fuzzy thing going on, and he walks that through in his tutorial. I go to a bass micro synth a lot. It's kind of my go to for the dead weather. Normal bass would sound like this. The synth on. sounds. That riff was just. So the lick without an effect is. And
0: with the synth on.
1: Allison repeats a line at the beginning and the end, which I'm not sure I understand. It's a sweet tooth yellow thing you dream in cartoon love pink. That may be one of those stream of consciousness Mm -hmm. things, you know, that she was talking about. But Yeah, I like this one. I like this one a lot. It's where the record really picks up for me. Like this one, the next one, Mile Markers, are favorites of mine on the record. Well, Mile Markers, as we know, started as a cut from the previous album as a few of these did I'm sure but that's right it's on the Matrix right The yeah, Groove. it's on the uh on the label or the inside yeah it's on the, the label the label that's you can hear mile right, markers or at least a snippet right. of mile Markers. <laughs>
2: I'm a cool, white, black market bingo that we used to play but we don't play Christian names and then for the four. Now i just count markers your
1: door and my door. it's got that era of Dead Weathers stink on it stank T- tw- yeah, twang yeah it stank yeah no stank is good i like stank. Uh, I, I don't want to make it sound like i'm saying it's a bad thing like it's it just it feels like that era except it feels like they polished it to a degree where it's like an even more proficient song like this is one of like my top three on the album they really did a nice job polishing up the song that you you know you could hear on the the label of the previous album so i was very very happy with this one very um lj heavy and i like that mm-hmm. i love this one yeah i can follow the lyrics it seems like there's a story mm-hmm. I, I like like the lyric and you know, i can relate to the lyrics there's a variety of verses and choruses the chorus is catchy lots to love about this one jack going ape shit on that snare drum again i really dig that mm-hmm. and they got that bit in there where she's like i churned my milk and honey i lost track of all the money my family rescued some other stray dog when it rains I open windows I just lay there I just lay getting waterlogged trying to get along It's just really <laughs> it's cool pretty lyrics and Hey here's a question for you kids out there who's singing that big boys bad girls running deep in stereo chorus Is that Allison or is that is that the boys harmonizing I can't tell Let me uh, let me go to the tape Let's play it for the people
2: Get along
1: James, what do you think? Hold on, that's Allison. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's got to be. I forgot this song has that amazing solo at the end. There, dude, it's the best solo it's on the record. So good. It's it's so the best good. one. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's what that was literally my next note. It's the best solo on the record. Yeah, I'd love it. We get that. I pulled another stanza here. One eight hundred someone sweepstakes donation, blood or a trip to the Bahamas. I'd really like to see you when you finish out your sentence dear soulmate behind stripes and stars it's kind of fun it's more of that stream of consciousness stuff you were talking about and or she was talking about i should say but it's it feels almost like run-on sentence poetry yeah but with this one though i think there's a story i don't know what the story is but i think there's a there's something about they're like two criminals or something cold white flamingo wins at black market bingo i mean, i don't know if i'm gonna be able to decipher these <laughs> Is that like a casino? Like, uh, they talking about, isn't there a casino with a flamingo? Yeah. Yeah. In Las Vegas? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? And they play bingo there? Yeah, no. Why not? Let's go no. there. We used to play, but we don't play no more. We used to travel playing hotel games. Yeah. They're about. it's about gamblers. Is hotel games sex? I think it's casino. I think you're right. It's casino. Okay. Hotel games, like slot machines okay. in Eating hotel. Eating truck stop dinners with Christian names. Love that. That's I think great. this is a Vegas song. I think this is a Vegas song. Pointing out porn in pay phones, pinned into the core. Again, very Vegas. This is fucking Vegas. <laughs> now I count mile markers between your door and my door. That I'd, Oh, uh, that's hotel. That's the hotel they're staying in. Oh, okay. Big boys, bad girls, grind their teeth in stereo. Love that. That's great. <laughs> uh, well, that's what the tells are when they're playing poker and shit. All right. The silver tap is spewing crap, and I'm halfway around the world. I would say that's a, an entendre to craps. Um, oh, yeah. I churned my milk and honey. I lost track of all the money. My family rescued others, some other stray dog. I think it's someone with a gambling problem. Amazing. We did it. We did it. How did we do we did it. it. <laughs> I remember playing this one for the first time in the car and being enchanted. I was just smitten with this one. It's a, it's a strong cut on the record. Mile markers is a song on a new, our new record, Dodge and Burn. I use the bass synth also. Starts out with a riff. Which, uh, playing high, I, would,
2: I wouldn't normally play that high. But you're high right now.
1: I'm very high right now. So that look without the bass synth would sound like this. With it. I haven't demonstrated how I can play both bases at one time. We'll
0: save that for later in the demo.
1: You actually can play two bases at once. The one behind you on that stand and the one in your hand. Yes. Interesting. Want to see? Yeah, please. If you're good, James, uh, I'm ready to cut over here to cop and go yes let's do that stand out for me we get that hammering piano almost sounds like it could have been a raconteur song a little at, at times and hearing the even the little like in the beginning is very Yeah, yeah yeah and yeah this i mean when i think of this album i kind of think of this song you know i love the bit beautiful eyes danger zone you look at me on the level uh-huh we got sh- like we got sh- to settle Uh uh-huh you cop like a cop in a cookie jar get what you want oh please won't you give a little back to me i love that little bit there i love that the little grouping of lyrics there and it's a it's one i return to on the album a lot it's also got that dead weather sex thing happening there It's, it's kind of a sexy little tune yeah it's got the fun little that staccato I don't know if that's the right word. Feels like it should be the right word, but the the yeah the the, the notes being played kind of like it's a telegraph or something. Mm-hmm. It's another another good. I, love
2: I don't all think the I changes. Hate, I don't
1: think I hate any song on this album. I really don't. I, I yeah. I don't either. It's of a piece. Like the whole thing is kind of of a piece, and so the songs that I don't care for, I'm sort of like, yeah, well, they're leading you to the songs that I do like, kind mm-hmm. of thing. But with this one, you know, speaking of that kind of movement, there are drastic changes in it which i really do appreciate because it it does keep your interest when you do that like different tempos each kind of memorable in their own way it's really cool and then at the end you get that oh please won't you give a little back to me it's just perfect Mm -hmm. you know i would call this a perfect dead weather song this song yes sorry i'm looking at the lyrics now that cookie jar line is very good again it's the same with the bubble gum when you hear the the cookie jar kind of makes you stop and, and listen a little harder it's a good one well, that leads us to too bad here. Now, this one is like the pink pickled ginger to cleanse the palate before impossible Winter for me. I find this song in particular kind of forgettable, but oh, but I really love this. Oh, one. I and like it when this happens. I love it because the you do there's there's that effect that and this is the effect I was looking for earlier, where Allison's like throwing her voice like a boomerang and it comes back, just, ah, ah, and then it comes back. I love that effect. It really, it drew me in. Right. and it, it makes this song seem, this whole song just seems badass to me. It's really good. All right. All right. Well, that's, I love it when we have these little, the, the differences of opinion. I So I find this song kind of forgettable. This was one of the single first tracks. This is one of the four songs that actually came out before the record, you know? Yeah. Under that original plan, it was the B-side to Buzz Killer, And I could have cut it, you know, I I like the I'm going back bit. I find that to be kind of memorable. But again, I feel like we've heard kind of better, similar things on the album by this point. Again, that's just to my ear. I pulled out the stanza. I know the girl next door. Yeah, I know the dress she wore. She took the bait, huh? She took the call. Oh, I know I've heard it all. So I'm going back. I'm going back. That's kind of nice. It's good imagery there. I don't find the lyrics particularly as interesting as some of the other songs but the music and the effects that they're using in this draw me in the guitar effects in particular they have they're doing basically what the triple graph does where they're like doing cut in and out like a gate on the audio with the guitar and it sounds really really cool it's got a whirly kind of lick in there the (laughs) so everything just seems to be like being thrown out there and then coming right back Uh, to yeah And I really, really like the effects and the music in this one. Well, you're selling me on it a little bit here. I I may have to listen to it again with fresh ears. But um, to me, this song always sounds like it's about to break apart and become $3 hat again. (laughs) In, In fact, if they wanted to really blow my mind, tie the album together, they would have finished the track with a $3 hat coda. And I'd be like, whoa, concept album. But instead, I just sort of find it a little aimless. But I don't know if we've ever gotten a coda. On a Jack record like that. I am struggling to think of one. I don't think we did ever get a coda, you know, like a callback to an earlier track on the record. Not particularly. You know what I'd love to hear is a hidden track. Can we get one of those? And I'm not talking like the under the label. You get groups. hidden tracks all the time. I'm, yes, you're right. But I'm talking like, uh, you know, the, the old 90s thing of like waiting 10 minutes after the last song <laughs> and then playing uh, a little a little ditty. Brendan's done it. Brendan did it in one of his albums. See, oh. yeah, and um, I didn't realize that. "Strawberry Rhubarb Pie" is the name of this hidden track. Oh, it was on uh, "One Mississippi." Really? Okay, well, that's not the one I'm thinking of, but there is a hidden track on "One Mississippi" called "Strawberry Rhubarb wow. Pie." <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> all right. I, well, anyway, all that's we to learned say something is, new. Let's do some. Let's do some hidden tracks with the Dead Weather. Let's do that. Well, before we leave this record, to head off to what we'd like to hear on future Dead Weather. Album Land, we are going to end with the last track on the record, Impossible Winner. Ah, yes. I
2: am a desert sun, the ever endless sea, not a drop of blue. wine way it shouldn't be. I'm a wheel going round, in a mirror house, amazed with no way out. What you have fears about. Holding on to everything that's coming down
1: What can be said? Allison's best song, maybe? I think so. And I would say it's an Allison song. It's not a Dead Weather song. This is just the Dead Weather playing instruments on an Allison solo song. Yeah. When I first heard this song, I thought, the Dead Weather can do pop? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Because it sort of sounds like an Adele tune or something. Like, there's there's strings on it. I mean, I would love to actually do a count, but I don't know... Thinking off the top of my head, like, as far as an orchestra goes, I don't even know if I could think of a Jack song that has an orchestra on it. We know there's lots of strings on things, different types of strings. But, like, as far as, like, an actual Beatly orchestra thing, this may be kind of unique in that sense. I mean, I'm, I don't know if you can think of one. I certainly can't. But, I mean, the closest I'm getting to is, like, Conquest, which had the, the horn section, but that's not an orchestra. yeah. It was a it was a guy, and, right? It was like a guy. That was three. I'm, maybe I'm thinking of the, uh, Marriott, the acoustic Mariachi version. Just perfect. I love the piano, the drums, Little Jack tying it all together with the bass, the fucking string quartet. I don't even know who played on it, but give him a damn medal. I'd really, really like it. Do you want to know, James, who arranged the string quartet on this song? It was... You're not going to um, guess The it, Wall but. of Sound man himself... Phil Spector. Phil yeah. Spector, murderer extraordinaire. <laughs> Brooke motherfucking Wagner. Oh. Brooke Wagner arranged the string quartet on Impossible Winter. Okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's a trivia fact for you. Go suck on that one. <laughs> um, I hear this song and I'm just moved to pieces. I just really like it. It, it's, it makes me want to cry. It's so beautiful. I, you get that... Um, I'll be here every night, my name up in lights, The Impossible Winner. I think it's just, you know, it's about Allison's journey. It's kind of an autobiographical song, or at least that's how it presents itself. It's good. I remember the music video came out in January 2016, as I recall. Oh, early it was early video the, is so good. And it's Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's really, really good. That's got the, the horror vibes, working in tandem with the pop vibes. Like, it's the best Dead Weather album to the best Allison song. Like, I don't... It's a weird mashup, but it works so well, and, it, and it's... It's like a terrifying video, even though yeah. nothing about it is explicitly like, I mean, there's horror elements in it, but nothing's like that terrifying except for the, maybe the mouth man. The mouth man when he roars with the lion Not roar. so good. Terrified. It's Yeah, it's spooky. Real spooky. You have this sideshow, like them all as sideshow characters on yeah. a train as like enslaved for lack of a better term they're in this this prison of a train and there's guards like telling them to stop doing stuff and whatever and allison's like in a big pile of dirt and yeah i actually don't know what her sideshow thing is i think she's just a mole person i don't know she's in a big pile of dirt yeah and she kind of looks a little thing fi- yeah maybe you're right maybe it's like a mole person because she does a lot of head jerking and stuff jack has the extendo arms lj has the extra not finger. Only, not only that jack has a third arm you know, a third arm yeah team. it comes out yeah, well, that's starts, appropriate yes yeah. <laughs> and then i think dean is like a spider guy or he's like a he's like crawling around right there's something it's like some, that. someone's super tiny i think it might be dean but like in comparison to the others someone's super tiny and then there's the guards which are like kind of steal the show for me these, yeah these creepy ass guards who when they drink the booze there's a little ghost girl in the booze, I never noticed. I literally, the first time I noticed it was today. They are drinking a soul, I think, when they're passing the booze back and forth. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> That's pretty crazy. That is nuts. Okay, Jack's typing a lot of things on typewriters with three arms. There's a a couple, like a a wailing couple. Yeah, they're just kind of hugging. Oh yeah, there's a there's a person in that booze bottle. Yep. Uh, Jack is playing with lots of arms there's the mouth man. mouth man very scary love the mouth man dean has like weird spindly fingers spindle fingers he's got spindle fingers he's got the spindle finger. i thought he was saving that for his only dead weather fans account but <laughs> i do like that the way they're showcasing their weirdness is um through like them grabbing the bars because dean has the spindle fingers jack has three arms grabbing the yeah. prison bars and then uh jack lawrence has the six fingers so and allison nice. can't because she's a mole person apparently <laughs> um but i oh lj is super tiny is he because jack throws a crumbled up piece of paper after he types something and throws it to lj and it's just this giant boulder of a piece of paper Oh, uh, okay i thought they were just being kooky you get to see jack white drumming with three hands which i love is, that i love that yeah it's very good i love the, when he's doing, doing a
2: little, little whatever
1: Really good stuff. A very beatly sounding tune, actually. And that may just be the string quartet. But James, you want to hear a shitty review of it by Pitchfork? Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Because <laughs> I think it's pretty clear we both love this song. <laughs> Dodge and Burn is capped by the ill-fitting Impossible winner, a sensitive piano ballad that's practically Oasis-like in its orchestral ascent, and which, in light of the equally stately The Last Goodbye from the Kills record, prods Mossheart further toward her destiny as a torch song chanteuse. It'd be one thing if there were anything else on this record, or in this band's entire discography for that matter, that showed the dead weather had any interest in opening up their airtight rock noir aesthetic but tacked onto the end of another dependably dank dead weather record the song feels like a graceful break of dawn denouement than the musical equivalent of being awakened in the middle of the night by a flashlight to the face so pitchfork can eat a sack of dicks because okay, I, I love this heart? song and i don't really Agree with any of that, but I think I found it interesting because we kissed this song's butt a lot, and so I yeah. just found it interesting that there were some people that didn't like it. I feel like I'm having a whole body like eye roll right now, like I couldn't <laughs> even look at you reading it. I was like, The pretentious, okay, I know Pitchfork is not known for being as down to earth as they could be, but that is the most pretentious I've <laughs> p- ever heard <laughs> talking about the f-ing dead weather. Okay, it's I know it's these people who are like. I want Sludge, and they gave me this beautiful pop ballad. Okay. Yeah. Well, they did, and they, it's great. Deal with it. <laughs> anyway, that's the, that's the album. That's Dodge and Burn. I really like this record. And before we get into the rating here, we'll do a bit of reception, James. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. So reception on this album, it you know charted fairly well, and it was a top 10 album in the U.S. Billboard Top 200 it uh charted at number 10 at its peak position but you know for a dead weather record that's a fairly good show you know that's yeah. a pretty good show in the uk it was number 21 so top 40 in that sense and then we get a whole other list of countries here it did chart around the world swiss albums number 15 norway at 14 new zealand at 32 ireland 32 germany at number 57 france 47 the dutch album charts at number 25 the Dutch, uh, Canadians at 16, Belgian albums at 34, and then Belgium, apparently in Belgium it charted twice, was also number 17, Belgium, Austrian all albums right, Belgium. at number I like 26, it. number 21 in the land down under. Pitchfork offered this little nugget before giving the album a 7.3 out of 10, which is all right. comically specific. I think that's just their way of rubbing in the C minusness of it all, but... Since the release of the band's previous album, 2010's Sea of Cowards, White has embarked on a solo career that's seen his work turn both more intimate and extravagant. In this light, the Dead Weather have come to represent the hanging side of beef on which he can unleash his pent-up aggression. <laughs> <laughs> what are they talking about? Side like, of <laughs> beef. Side of beef. Call me. And it's, uh, it, I have a lot to say about that because it's not him getting rid of aggression like maybe that's in there or something but it's this is just yeah he's playing the, music he's, he's having fun with music right sure it's gothy and kind of you know aggressive in nature but it doesn't seem like he's like getting all his anger out into the, it's just just seems like a, a side of Jack White's music that you don't hear as often in the Reck and Tours like it's not as poppy as the Rack and Tours yeah w- with any dead weather or Even Rack's album, for that matter, whenever you get people reviewing it, they're often taking away the agency of the other members of the band and almost exclusively talking about Jack and how it pertains to him, which I I, I get. We do that, too, sometimes just by nature of us being fans, but it does kind of belittle the other members and stuff. And if any band was like a blending of all four members, this is that band. Right. Like you have The Kills, which is... A popular band. You have Queens of the Stone Age, which is a very popular band. You have Little Jack from the Rack and Tours, which I guess is, you know, he's coming from another Jack project, and also like Greenhorns and stuff. But like these are well known, well established, well respected musicians. And just because they're with Jack White, Pitchfork is just like, we're gonna call this Jack White's latest side of beef. Like I don't <laughs> 7.3 though. They could have savaged it further. They didn't. And also most of this is like Allison. She's mostly the songwriter in this group. And Dean, as we learned in part one, was a big proponent of this record. I'll leave the reception part on Spin Magazine asking Allison what she thought of the initial reaction to the record. And she said, quote, I don't feel like there's been much of a reaction. Not that many people have heard Dodge and Burn. I love it. That's my reaction. (laughs) (laughs) And then... We'll move on there to our rating. James, we'll kick it to our third person for the rating. What do you say?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Jesse, welcome back. Hello. What have you done? What have you done in the two weeks since we've talked to you? Uh, worked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want specifics. Worked. I mean, uh, it's... The-
0: uh, well, we had our second record store day.
1: Oh nice! So yeah,
0: yeah. So um, the bane of my existence, even though I'm so glad everybody enjoys it. (laughs) Record store (laughs) days are just hard, hard times for record store owners. So
1: would you say Tom Hardy times? He was bane, right? Oh boy! Yes. Oh,
0: whatever. Look, that was a great, great offset. Thank you. Yeah, I I appreciated it. I mean, I'm glad. Someone can finally
1: appreciate Paul's. Like I said last episode, this isn't about me. They passed they pass through me, and into this beautiful microphone. Paul, so, what have you been up to the last two weeks? Me? Yeah. Specificity is the soul of narrative. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm hanging out. It's it's still the hot Celsius over here, but we're okay. we're doing okay. We're doing all right, James. I sat here for two weeks, waiting by the phone. <laughs> for Jeff Bezos to call me. <laughs> <laughs> James, James panicked and bought more Bezos bucks. Yeah, and really no, I bought Amazon.com and, um, well, I'm out a lot of money, guys. I really need to- <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to welcome Jessie back. She joined us last episode. We were talking a bit about the dead weather. And this week, we are going to be talking about giving the album a rating. Now, we have never, in any of our analyses and reviews, and we've done quite a few, we've never brought on a guest to rate the album with us. So that's exciting. I'm nervous. Our review system is broken and terrible, but James is very excited about it. No, it's very good. Um, He he is going to explain it to the listeners out there. Okay. And to Jesse. Yes. And I will swallow my feelings. Okay. Well, our system, because we love every (laughs) album, okay, we like every Jack White album. We can't put it on a system of of tens and fives that would be ridiculous because everything would be you know a four or a seven or up it wouldn't matter what's the point i say hello is this thing on yeah, and you're, good, <laughs> you're doing great uh so what we've decided to do is to do a system uh based on uh, jack white's love with the number three we're out of three men we got three men and, and our system is based on uh you know one man you like it two men You love it. And Three Men, you gotta have it. It's the Cold Stone Creamery system that's patented. (laughs) It's foolproof. So it's out of three men.
0: Ooh. Okay. So um, as I said in the last episode, the Dead Weather is not who I typically go to when I listen to Jack White, but I do really appreciate them and I do love their music. Dodge and Burn is by far my favorite of the three. I think it's the most cohesive. I think it sounds the Most fun, it's the most sludgy, which I kind of like because I'm a grunge lady at heart. <laughs> so, if I had to give it a rating of one to three men, I think I would give it now. Can I do halves?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, we've done I quarters. Think we've too. ruined this system for yeah, okay. we've <laughs> I think I would
0: give it, I think I would give it like a 1.75 okay. out of three All because right. I like it a lot to the point that I almost really love it, but it's not like something that I'm like. Oh my gosh, if I don't listen to this, I'm going to like die for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So that's, I'm sitting with a 1.75 men.
1: Okay. That's fair. Look, that's a good rating. I don't know if we've ever gotten below a two. Oh, a one. (laughs) Maybe we did. We did a one just to say we did because we kept forgetting what our other ratings were. (laughs) And so we didn't want to go too low. With things because we were saving the low ones for, you know, our least favorite albums. And then when our least favorite albums came out, we were like, oh, well, we still kind of like them.
0: Yeah. So we feel bad. Yeah, We still screwed up. We still
1: <laughs> screwed up our rating system. It's bad. The Cold Stone Creamery system is not foolproof. Please. Somebody stop me.
0: James,
1: <laughs> you go next. Oh, boy. Sureness out of rating. All right. Well, I will put it on that uh, that there cold plate and slap some toppings in there. Why don't I? Um, yes. Okay. They do sponsor our podcast. Please shop at Coldstone Creamery. They, they don't. Though. They, <laughs> they do. <laughs> but <not>. they could, <laughs> you never
0: know. They
2: super
1: don't. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I'll start with The Dead Weather. Love The Dead Weather, but as we've stated in the past of the Jack White projects, it's not my favorite. Obviously, White Stripes and Solo and rack and Tours tend to be higher up on that tier list. So, when it comes to The Dead Weather, it's something I know I'm not going to usually put in my top tier. Now, saying that, Dodge and Burn really surprised. It surprised us, like, A, that it came out. It came out during a time when we didn't know there would be a Jack White album. It was, like, announced, and then it came out, and it was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then on top of that, we didn't get a tour with it, so there was a lot of surprises. There was a lot of guessing. It was already a different album based on its release. So from that angle, I was already on my toes, you see. Uh, (laughs) And then when (laughs) I actually heard the album, it was... As we've talked about in the past, way more polished than the past two albums. It felt, as you, Jesse, had said, cohesive. It felt put together. There were aspects to it that I did not expect. Impossible winner is the shining example of that. It was new. It was fresh. It made me fall in love with Allison's voice again. And were songs like Mile Markers that really got me like amped and pumped and was one of the cooler things. I had heard that if not the coolest thing coming out of music that I had heard in twenty fifteen. Like I I was really excited by this album and it really, really was much higher than the other two. And in fact, I would put this album above some solo material and above some rack and tours material. And I think dodge and burn for me Oh boy, this is tough. I'm gonna give it I'm gonna chop off the uh the head and the torso. We're gonna go two and a quarter men here. Two and a quarter, two and two a quarter and a quarter from James. Wow,
0: wow! Putting it about the Rocket Tours, I just cannot do that.
1: N- yeah, now, that to be fair, not James. all the Rocket Tours, but I can't do it over
0: any of the Rocket Tours. Okay.
1: I could do it over like some of the ones I don't care for on Consolers, I guess.
0: Oh my God, oh. that's my favorite <laughs> record by them. I, I like <laughs> it. So,
1: I feel like people think I hate it so. I like Consolers. All I'm saying is a couple songs on Consolers no. that are a little loud or like they don't
2: have oh my God. Now I, I, so loud.
1: I would say this album in general feels more like a in his prime Jack White slash material over Help Us Stranger like a step above some stuff in Help Us Stranger I would say what? I like Help Us Stranger a lot and I, I really enjoyed that album but I would say this album toe to toe I would say this one can come out ahead whoa
0: We'll agree to disagree, my friend. Okay, that's fair.
1: James, why do you hate joy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> why do you love crushing people so souls? it's the goth pastiche. I just really love
1: <laughs> really love the the sadness. Yeah. All right, so you're at two point two five, Jesse, you're at one point seven five. So I'm gonna cut I'm coming in I'm coming in hot. oh. With my rating. So this was the first new Jack album that came out after I moved to California. So I have very distinct memories of it for that reason because James normally when a new Jack White release came out you and I would be hanging out drinking beers and listening to it and talking about it. Yes. And my maybe with Mike too and our friend Mike. And this was the first one where I felt like I had I was alone <laughs> <laughs> wandering into the Best Buy to buy my box set or whatever and it felt weird. And honestly, It's one of the reasons I think part of the impetus behind wanting to start the podcast because I felt like we needed to have a space to talk about this (laughs) shit. (laughs) And if we couldn't do it physically together, maybe we'd do it over the internet airwaves. So that is the, I have very distinct memories of walking to Best Buy buying it listening to it on the ride home you know and and listening to it out here and it was strange you know strange and and because it's also a strange record it stands apart in his entire catalog Jack's entire catalog because it was recorded in a piecemeal kind of fashion it was originally intended to be a series of singles that were compiled but it evolved a lot and it's the only Jack project that had no touring support and that was intentional that was part of the mission statement behind the record which we learned about in this two-parter I promise. Okay, great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's the only album with no tour support. So that was weird too, because usually when a new Jack album comes out, we all gather around and we all go to our bacchanalia and we are able to express our enjoyment of the music live. So a strange album, but I think their best produced record. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds sonically the best i think it builds a nice neat bridge between lazaretto and boarding house reach in that sense i like the way jack's production is becoming less muddy becoming less dirty this album i feel like is very is like the cleanest the dead weather ever sounded just to my ear and i appreciate that because as we talked about i am a soft boy when it comes to music <laughs> um, so I like the clean sounding thing. I think Allison's songwriting is great. These songs do sound samey after a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can kind of, they all start to blend together. Dead Weather albums are like that for me, where they all, they just tend to feel like one big song. But any record with Impossible Winter on it, it has me. So I say just for Impossible Winter, I Feel Love, $3 Hat, Mile Markers. For like those songs alone, this gets a solid two men. Woo! I'm going right down the middle, I do love it, I forget about it all the time, yep. but when I revisit it, I'm happy I revisited it, because it's a nice place. You know? Well, you
0: make me want to listen to Lazaretto, Dodge and Burn, and Boarding House Reach in order, now that you mention mentioned that. It's yeah. wild,
1: like making the connect, like $3 hat is such a, uh, a missing House reach kind of. yeah, thing. it's a missing link <laughs> between <laughs> <laughs> Boarding House Reach and Lazaretto. It's like, what happened between these two? And then you hear $3 hat, and it's like, oh, Will evolve <laughs> <off> from this. <laughs> um, also, yeah. in there you have blues on two trees and other, you know, wildness. But this song was, I must say, Paul, impossible for me to forget because it's one of the few songs I ever put on my iPhone. Like I don't use my iPhone as an iPod. Yeah, but I did put this. When it came out, I put all these songs on there because I'd just gotten like Bluetooth in my car. And I'm like, I can listen to an album through my phone. All Why? right, James, humble brag with yeah. Bluetooth in your car. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, now, I could make phone calls without, and I repeat, without holding a phone in my hands. Wow. But, Whoa. But. Uh, Slow down with your Bezos bucks. <laughs> so I am out of Bezos bucks. I, we've been over That's this. Right. anyway these songs were on my phone and then i never took them off so every time my my car would ever switch to bluetooth mode immediately would start playing
2: uh, a shuffled version yeah
1: well it would it would be that <laughs> and then at some point i purchased blood pressures from the kills on Apple music or whatever. And then, so it was always some form of Allison just yeah. yelling at me whenever I turned on my Bluetooth. It was like, ah, <laughs> so these songs <laughs> were impossible for me to get out of my head. And that may have been a factor in me finding them more memorable and more digestible than help a stranger. Cause I, I was just around them pretty much every day of my commute for the past five years. Yeah. <laughs> well, any final thoughts about Dodge and Burn before we leave here today? Jesse? any uh, catch-all stuff? Any?
0: Oh, gosh. Not really. I'm really I'm sitting here fascinated about the thought of listening to Lazaretto and to Dodge and Burn and to Boarding House Reach because I've never thought of that being a bridge between those two albums. But you're totally right. It makes so much sense. And my brain's kind of like... Phew! right now. So
1: (laughs) even in production quality, it's it's, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So I'm definitely going to have to sit back and make that a project because and it may help me appreciate Dodge and Burn even more than I already do. You know, so I think that's awesome.
1: This podcast has done that a lot to me and Paul, where before this podcast, we would listen to these albums and we liked them. And obviously, they came out in order. But when we go into the research for it you really see the through line between every single album and every single band and you get this story that just kind of emerges of like mm-hmm. well jack white made this album because you know allison came on stage during a rack and tours concert and then they created the dead weather because of this and they created the rack and tours that allison was on stage for because brendan asked jack white to write a song for him and, and it became the rack Raconteur- and and it's just everything kind of Bleeds into each other. It made us listen to these albums in succession with new ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'd like to thank you for joining us uh, yet again, Jesse. Oh, I uh, I can't reiterate enough. You are the secret success behind our show. <laughs> I want to stress once more that Pearl Jam episode very highly downloaded (laughs) which is by the way unfortunate because at the time for me uh, my audio setup at the time because my microphone was clicking I was like Buster's jaw it was clicking and so whenever I hear that episode I hyper focus on the clicking mic and I'm like god I wish that wasn't our highest downloaded episode where my mic sounds like trash oh no but it is a wonderful episode and you are wonderful too oh thank you Thank you for doing the, dare I say, the Lord's work and getting out there and evangelizing vinyl uh, <laughs> records yes. for everyone and for the wonderful work you do on the Porch Podcast. We did plug it last time. We, do you want to get in a couple quick plugs or different plugs? Like just, I don't know. Did you make a nice dinner last night? You want to plug that? Anything.
0: I'll just say if, you have a, if you're have if you a Pearl Jam fan and you want to listen to a great podcast, there are lots and lots of Pearl Jam podcasts now. They're all amazing. But mine is The Porch Podcast. We sit down with one song every week from their discography. and We just kind of dissect it, me and my co-host Kate, and it's a lot of fun. So if you're looking for something to kind of, uh, whether you aren't familiar with Pearl Jam and you want to be, or whether you love Pearl Jam and you just want to have a place to geek out like you do with all the Jack White stuff here, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and give us a listen because it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun talking about Pearl Jam.
1: Everybody should check out the Porch podcast, especially if you're a Pearl Jam fan. But even if you're not or if you're a casual Pearl Jam listener, this podcast has a lot to learn about these songs. And the banter between you guys on there is <laughs> is so lovely and so cheerful and fun. Like you said, it felt like a fun club of some kind. I felt welcomed into it immediately. It felt oh, uh, it was very nice. So I, I, I will enjoy. relay that
0: to Kate. That will make her very happy.
1: Yes, I enjoy listening to it. Again. We do our best to alienate listeners yes. as much as possible. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's true. I see. Yeah, it's we really it's <laughs> <options laughs> really <laughs>
0: approaches, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> Maybe it explains why you you bring our numbers up. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, but anyway thank you so much for joining us this was a lot of fun and please come back again sometime yes absolutely love to talk to you some more
0: i love talking about jack white if i can't talk about pearl jam i gotta talk about jack white so anytime my friends
2: there we go
1: I'd like to thank Jesse from the Porch Podcast for joining us. Before we leave the album here, I just want to read this from uh, Allison Mosshart speaking about the band and this record. She said, The four members in the Dead Weather are soulmates. And I've only ever felt this twice in my life. It's the same thing that happens with Jamie in The Kills. It's something you cannot describe, it only exists. Dodge and Burn is a heavy, dark, and energetic album, which is rare these days. The album has a human component, and this can be felt if you listen to the record. It's a sound that I cannot f***ing describe. After listening to those guitars, I just want to smash everything around me. And then I'll follow that up with LJ here. He called it dark, full of guitars, and unsettling riffs. And that, James, is Dodge and Burn. Dead Weather's Best. And with that wraps... Not only our episode today, but we've gone through all of the Dead Weather Studio albums (laughs) doing album analyses. The balloon drop is scheduled for when we finish all the albums, but... um, We're close. we only, I think Elephant and Blunderbuss are the only two left that we haven't done. Yeah, no, Ariel is getting very tired of the big net full of balloons in our ceiling waiting for that balloon drop, but I'm excited. I'd like to thank Ariel, but we'd also have some Patreon (laughs) patrons to thank, James. Of course. We have... A few here, and I'm just gonna go down the list. We have Derek Ferguson forever. For Ferguson, we have Michael Brookfield, the bone Brookfield, Tam Davis, our third person in spirit every week, Luke Sinclair, or Luke me over closely, Josh Aiken, or Joe Shaken, all over, Melinda Taylor, Melinda Taylor, send me an angel down, Julia Hickling. Now, this is funny, as it turns out, it was Tobias from After the Money is Gone who put in the donation under Julia's name, and so. We thought we were getting donations from Julie. We were getting them from Tobias. So we'd like to thank, how about we just thank... at Mig, Our wonderful yeah. friends at After the Money is Gone, at Mig, And then the the nickname still works. They're the $3 Hatmigs. I love that. And thank you, Tobias. I'm sorry we haven't thanked you previously. But also thank you, Julia, because you, you're, you're also... A... Julia didn't know either. So anyway, that's oh, no, uh, you great. Guys, uh, you guys are great. Stu Cat, Stu Driver, Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation, Brenda Englehart. We want to be the boys to warm your ankle hard. Eve at Wilkins, Wilkins on sunshine. Brett Garski, the Brett three killed Mike Garski. Elizabeth Myers, rolling in on a burning Myers or one eye, one blank stare, looking up Myers there. Melinda Endress, <laughs> you look pretty in your fancy, Endress. Shane Benjamson, or the Shane boy you've always known. And then Ashley Forbes, who just kicked up, uh, kicked up her donation oh, and uh, nice gave you, us actually. a little Christmas present there as we're recording this before the holidays. And uh, so it's eh, very nice, Ashley. We really appreciate that. Yeah, And if you'd like to find us and contact us, so you can do so a number of ways, you can find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash third men. You can tweet at us at third cast. You can tumble on down with us. Third men com. Find us on our website, third You can email us any number of things that you want. You could really email us anything. Really? They don't. Nobody stops. Anybody Nobody stops. You can write anything in an email. You can anything. Yeah wild. I'm anyway. going to read some emails that I've gotten just today. I'm going to read the titles to you. Then it'll, it'll prove to you that you can literally say anything. I've got one here from Box Lunch that says, I have hours left. Paul, you are going to die. It sounds like I'm going to die and the fine people at Box Lunch are just trying to tell me. Let's see. Oh, BritBox wants to talk to me. They want to tell me have about some Have you television. ever had a celebrity say, hey, you want to get lunch? I get those all the time. Here's one I got the title of the email is here's why Mitch McConnell is terrified. Whew. I don't think that man is capable of emotion. <laughs> I get so much junk mail from the Democratic Party. <laughs> and it's all like, oh, here's here's a great one. Paul, you deserve better. That's from a Democrat Like, uh, uh, good. thing. Let's see what else. Oh, never saw, the email address is never saw this coming, period. And then... The subject line, wow, all caps, three exclamation points. I'm sorry, four exclamation points. This just in four exclamation points. And then the the email starts with, we thought Democrats had given up. And there's a big caps, lots of caps, caps Caps in there. This is Paul Reads' Junk Mail. This is a new segment of the show. 50 cents a cap. Mostly it's about what Mitch McConnell is thinking or why I should be mad at Mitch McConnell or what Mitch McConnell is happy that I did or didn't do. (laughs) Well, here's... Here's a good one that I got, email address 562JQ404AA, and it's a, a reply to my email that said FY4145925G, and it's just a link, and I'm just going to click that link. Oh, man. James. Got to go fishing. (laughs) Got to go fishing. Got to go fishing. Anyway, that's to prove to you that over electronic mail, you could literally send anything to anyone. Yeah, no, no one's stopping you. So what we're saying is, just write to us. Do it. Anything. Do it. (laughs) Anything. Anything. Yeah, no, I get a lot from next door. I I don't know if you're a part of next door, Paul. And most of it is um, there's a gunshot or fireworks. And the other option is, I lost my dog. Uh-oh, Uh-oh, dog's gone. Uh-oh, dog gone. You can add to our Instagram. That's uh, at men underscore podcast. I'm sorry, at the men underscore podcast. I put up some pictures there. Yeah. We talked to some folks there. You can buy some merch. Bit.ly slash thirdman merch. <laughs> our show is hosted by Acast. James, James wants the only fans with Acast. Hey. And then we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C- slash the third man podcast where james has a lot of animations and we have some episodes up there and if you'd like to rate our show you go to rate and you can be like anna and do something fun and we'll send you something fun if you give us a five-star review with what you think mitch mcconnell thinks of your review like <laughs> if you if your review is like just about how Mitch McConnell perceives your review or perceives us, I want to hear what you think Mitch McConnell would think of our show and why it's, yeah, and why it's us. five stars. Actually, no, I don't want people to think that Mitch McConnell likes our show. <laughs> don't do that. How about we? Well, let's rename him then. We'll, we'll use a code word. How about Stitch McClunky? <laughs> Just do something fun, and s- just do something and- fun. Five stars, please, and then send us an email saying, "Like we, I gave you, I gave you a little review." We'd like to thank Sam Kubert, Tom Valenti, and Mitch McConnell for the help in the recording for a theme song. We're the <laughs> he's shocked that he's involved, as well as Susanna Roundtree for the lovely intros and outros of our program. And she would never put up with Mitch McConnell's bullshit. Also, thank you to email five six two JQ four zero four aa for. All that you do, um, all the links you sent me that I click on, sent you ten thousand dollars in cash. So, far, <laughs> so really, really can't. Till next week, I will be looking for a home, emailing Mitch McConnell, who is shocked, and I will be looking for a home aboard a prison train with some guards sh- with the just mouths for faces, and they're also shocked. Can't get too far up that bantha's butthole. You know what I mean? Like you have to. Let's move on here to lose the right, which yeah. America chose to do in the last election. Uh, I love the snare opening. Paul, this child is
0: crying because he wants me to vacuum and I closed the closet with the vacuum cleaner and this is very devastating
1: hey buddy hey Jack did you know that in Star Wars there is a hit uh, style of and I think I've talked to you about this before but I don't know stop me if I have there's a hit style of music in the Star Wars universe that uh, that, that Mr. Luke has created, called Jizz Music. J I Z Z Music, Paul. <laughs> jizz Music, and do you know what the instrument you use to play Jizz Music is? Paul? <laughs> well, it's called the Jizz Box, Paul. So if you listen to the cantina scene, um, you'll have to know that they're playing a jizz box to play some jizz music. (laughs) (laughs) Write your review, right? An an actual review of the show, but then at the end, write, and Mitch McConnell is shocked. (laughs) Not like don't say any like if whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. He's just bewildered. He's just confused. Everybody. He thought one thing was going to happen, and then a different thing happened. And his mouth was a gape. It's not the only thing that's a If you click on Jizzbox, the quote they give is from a, a from a novel, which is somebody saying. The assistant manager of the Wookiees Cod piece, God knows what that is, says, You sound like a festering jizz box. I got a festering jizz box right over there in that corner. <laughs> It'll fit together. Right. James, we're back. Well, no. I'm not gonna start it that right? way. Let's go
2: back to our song.
1: Hey, everybody. Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and i have set up a patreon account where you can if you like chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on it can be as much or as little as you can swing and all donations are greatly appreciated the last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough but if you would like to help us out that would be amazing all right all from me. Remember you can head to patreon.com slash third men podcast and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. Alright everybody, I'll see you on the show. I'm
2: John, I'm Paul. I'm
1: John, I'm Rico. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yes, yes, yes. Just do a Mitch McConnell fan cast.
0: Very uh,
2: brave of you, or
0: very.
1: I think the word you're looking for is stupid.
0: Well, well behaved of you to not call bitch. McConnell.
1: Bitch McConnell is good.